for how they serve. Go ahead and grab a seat, if you would. Welcome again. Uh, I'm Jeremy. I'm one of the, the pastors here on staff, and I get to op- the opportunity to share with you. And uh, this morning, you know, you were watching the video about High Five. This week is such a fun week with High Five, and there's so much energy around the building, and, and uh, Pastor Brian had me preach so that he could have all the fun while I was off slaving in the kitchen, you know, preparing the meal for Sunday morning, right? No, I'm just kidding. Hey, open your Bibles over to John chapter 15. We are continuing our series, Parting Words, and um, Colin had, had mentioned it a moment ago, kind of in the context of, of Jesus, and he's had his, his last supper with his disciples. They've left the upper room, and he's on his way now. They're walking to the Garden of Gethsemane, where he will be up all night in prayer. Um, he's hours from his arrest and his execution, and he's having this conversation with his disciples somewhere between the upper room and the garden, which is actually important, as you'll see here in a few moments. And he's telling them the most important things. Now, if you knew that you had hours to live, if you were like, I know that my life is going to end very soon, you, you would probably do the same thing. You'd gather your closest people, and you would relay the most important and most weighty things. And so everything that Jesus is saying in this series, parting words, these are his, his words that he's like, this is what's most important. Please remember these things. Okay, so let's read together here this morning. And I want to just point out uh, the word abide. And we're going to talk about the word abide and what that means because it's so crucial and so important to understand in following Jesus what, what the word abide means. So just it, every time you see Jesus say abide or does not abide like that word, highlight it as, as we read through this. Let's start in John 15, starting in verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Now he begins talking about abiding in verse 4. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches." Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples." As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my, my joy may be in you and your joy may be full. So much there. We're going to kind of work our way through this slowly this morning. Let's take a moment and pray and just, and just posture our hearts to receive from the Holy Spirit today. Well, Lord, we just come before you, and Jesus, you, you spoke these words, your parting words, uh, to your disciples, and, and these words are so weighty, and you're saying these things to us today. Holy Spirit, we just ask that you would come into this room and be, be with us speaking and, and shining light and giving understanding as to what Jesus is talking about. 
Help us to, to do what he's saying and to abide and to know what that means. Pray that over the, the course of these next few moments that, Lord, you would be glorified, people would see you, and know your love in a greater way. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. And if you're just gonna kind of sum it all up, this passage here, these 11 verses, uh, 10 times in 11 verses, you see Jesus use the word abide. In the whole book of John, uh, John captures Jesus using the word abide 40 times. So 10 of the 40 times are right here in this, this section, these 11 verses. It's very important that we understand what it means to abide. And that's really kind of the point of this passage. It's, it's abide in loving relationship with God. That's what Jesus is saying here, ultimately, is just simply abide in loving relationship with God. Now, what, is, what does it mean to abide, though? Abide is an interesting word because it, it sums up and captures a lot of different ideas into kind of one word, and it's so beautiful. Abide is, it has to do with where you live. It has to do with where you inhabit, what you, where you stay, where you remain, you reside, it's, it's your dwelling, your living. What Jesus is saying is remain, stay connected, stay in me, live, inhabit, dwell in me and me in you. Abiding is, is living in deep fellowship and connection. And it leads us to the question now, is, is abiding something that we do or is it something that's given to us? Because in one sense of the word, abiding, if it's, if it's your dwelling, if it's where you live, if it's the position that you've been given. Like our kids don't abide in our homes because they somehow earned their way into our home. They abide in our homes. They live, dwell, are constantly within the home because they're our children, right? They don't do anything. It's just what's given to them. And likewise, abiding is something that's given to us. We don't earn it. It's a free gift that, that Jesus would say, come be part of my family. Dwell in me. Live, in, live within. But abiding is also something that we do. So if the answer is, is abiding something we're given or something we do, the answer is yes. It, yes. You remain and, and believe in trusting, loving, prioritizing, staying connected in, in deep communion and deep fellowship with the Holy Spirit, that's how you abide. What's given to you is your position, your permanent residence, your belonging, your purpose, your right standing with God, right? That's what's given to you. Access to God, access to the Holy Spirit. But we remain, we stay connected, we live in communion and fellowship. And so Jesus, as he's walking, leaving, he left the upper room on his way to the Garden of Gethsemane, again, where he'll be up in prayer all night, as you'll see in the weeks to come. Because he knows that his arrest is, is coming. His arrest, the accusations, the torture, the crucifixion, it's hours away now. And as he's walking, it's very possible that they are walking out past, out past um, the, the upper room, through the Kidron Valley, and to the Garden of Gethsemane, and they're walking right past maybe an olive grove or a vineyard, and Jesus is stopping along the way, and he's using it as an object lesson. It's very possible that he just was, they were walking right past something that maybe looked like this, a, a grapevine. This is what a grapevine looks like. And he's saying, this is what it's like to be in relationship with me. And he's using it as an object lesson. So in verse 1, when Jesus says, I am the true vine, 
they would have understood. You see, the, the Jewish people understood the, the figurative language of a vine because all through the Old Testament in multiple places, the nation of Israel is referred to as a vine. Isaiah 5 is a great one. If you've got some time this afternoon, go read Isaiah 5 and you'll see a picture of God planting a vineyard and, and, and a vine in this very same language and yet you see the disappointment because the vine represents Israel, the covenant people of God, but it always ends in disappointment and failure to live up to the, to the covenant relationship. And so what Jesus was saying to them is, I'm the true vine. Israel, the nation of Israel had, had failed time and time again and Jesus is saying, I'm going to do for you. I'm going to fulfill for you and be for you what you could never do for yourself. That's what he's saying to them. I'm the true vine. He's the source. He's the source of life. Israel is not the true vine. And the same for us today. The church is not the true vine. A great person of God, they're not the vine People that love Jesus, they're not the vine. There's one. Jesus himself is the true vine. And then he says, my father is the vine dresser. Now, there's a lot in these 11 verses, I'm going to be honest with you. you. You might at times feel today like I do, like, oh, can we just dig really deep and talk more about that? There's a gold mine in each one of these verses, each one of these things that Jesus says. And we're just going to kind of skim over it a little bit today. But he says this. He says, my father's the vine dresser. What he's saying is that God the Father is at work in our lives in the external circumstances. You realize that you are being loved by God. You are called to abide in a love relationship with the Father, and, and you see the Father's work as a vine dresser we're going to talk about in a minute. The Son, Jesus is the Son. He is the vine. And then the Holy Spirit is like the life and the sap and the water that comes through the vine to the branches and produces fruit. It's a beautiful picture of our relationship, our abiding love relationship with God. My Father's the vine dresser. He is, he is loving us in the external circumstances and the Holy Spirit is loving us in the internal, the world of our heart. It's good to know though that, that the vine dresser, God the Father, he is at, at work in the external, that he is completely in control of the circumstances of your life and my life. There's not one thing that's happening that he has, he has not been God over. And that doesn't mean that all the bad things is because God is bad. It just means that he's going to work good through it. And he's in charge of all of it. He's the vine dresser. We're called to abide in a love relationship with God. So then in verse 2 he says, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Now this is, this is a sober warning. Okay, there's two branches here that Jesus is talking about. He's contrasting here in this passage, and we're going to come back and talk more about a branch that does not bear fruit in a few moments, but he's contrasting branches that bear fruit and branches that don't bear fruit. And this is a warning that every branch that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And so then it kind of leads us to the question, well, what, what exactly is this fruit? Like, okay, that's a great picture. I'm the vine, you're the branches, and, and there's this fruit in our life. But what is the fruit that Jesus is talking about. What he's talking about is the, the godly character, the Christ-likeness over time that gets developed in us. The, the righteousness of God that begins to show in our lives. The fruit of our lives is also the good things that we're prepared in advance to do, the things that he's called us to do, good things, right? Good fruit. But Galatians 5.22 gives us a picture, 5.22 and 23 gives us a very vivid picture of what the fruit of the Holy Spirit is. So as we see, we abide 
in relationship with God the Father, he's the vine dresser. God the Son, Jesus, he is the vine. And then God the Holy Spirit is like the life and the sap that comes through the vine to the branches. And the fruit that the Holy Spirit produces in our lives is this right here. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Now, how many of you all be like, man, I really want some more of that in my life? Like, that is what I want our family to be like. That's what I want my life to be. I want that fruit. That's what the Holy Spirit produces in us as we abide in Christ. Now, he's contrasting again here fruitfulness, like branches that bear the fruit of the Spirit, Christ-like um, godly conduct and righteousness, good works we've been prepared, and then unfruitful branches. And these are things, these are branches or people that maybe are somehow like within, within the vine and maybe connected to like other branches or wound around other branches, but are not connected and abiding to the, to the vine itself. The appearance of, of a branch, but not bearing the fruit that evidences connection to the vine. So he, then he first talks about branches that are bearing fruit. Kind of sets up the contrast, fruit-bearing branches not. And then he goes on to say every branch that does, that does bear fruit, he prunes that it might bear more fruit. Just kind of highlight that, underline that. You see in the beginning of verse 2, he wants us to bear fruit, and then here we see more fruit. So the pruning that happens in our lives is so that we can bear more fruit. Now, pruning, if you've ever experienced this, it's not exactly like a, a fun thing to walk through, is it? It's when things in your life get cut off and you feel it. You, you maybe are, are suffering loss or something that you were like, and that was kind of important and precious, and it feels like it's gone, it's cut off. You might be asking yourself, like, I've, I've been trying to follow Jesus, I'm doing this thing, and I'm like doing, you know, going to church and and trying to, trying to obey and not just do my thing. But, and it just feels like things have gotten harder in my life. What, did I do something wrong? Am I, am I feeling a sense of loss or cutting off because I did something wrong? And the answer might be, no, actually, it's because the vine dresser is at work in your life to make you more fruitful. And any good vine dresser knows that if you don't prune away branches that are just like sucking the life out of the branches that are bearing fruit, the resources that are coming from the vine, the energy and the, the, the nutrients will get absorbed into branches that are fruitless. So what the vine dresser does is he prunes and cuts those things off so that the focus, can, that the energies and the resources can be maximized towards the purpose of the vine itself, which is bearing fruit. That's why the vine exists. And we feel this in our lives. And actually, you know, the more we go along, you, you probably have felt this tension. I know I certainly have. I, I'm kind of like the guy that gets excited about everything and wants to say yes to everything. Is there any other people who are like the enthusiasts in the room? Like, I just want to say yes to everything, right? And you're probably, I see, I see the spouse not raising their hand. <laughs> you're probably married to someone or potentially that's like, yeah, would you stop doing that, you know? Because you want to say yes to everything, you're excited, but you realize when you say yes to everything you're excited about, you're inherently saying no to other things too, right? You're saying yes because this feels awesome, but you don't realize what you're actually saying no to. 
That's kind of the principle here is, is that God's at work in our lives to maximize and to focus resource, time, and energy for maximizing fruitfulness. And we learn to kind of do that as we go to, man, you're going to have to say no and cut off a lot of like good things in your life so that you can be focused on the best things. Amen, church? Amen. Man, that's just how life goes. All the enthusiasts in the room need, need the, the wisdom person next to them going, nope, no, 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 no. We're saying no to that so we can say yes to this, right? Man, so real. In verse 3, he says, Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Now, there's a lot we could talk about here, but the, the one thing I want to I point out is, is similar to what I said earlier. He said, Already you're clean. It wasn't like they cleaned themselves up. They didn't go, Okay, we got all, we got all everything together. We're doing pretty good. What do you think? Now, Jesus is like, I've made you clean. Already you're abiding. Already you're pruned. Already you're grafted into the vine because of the words I've spoken to you. It's primarily God's work. It's not something that we do. So abiding is something that's given to us as children of God. But then it, there, is, there is a call for us to abide as well. He says it in verse 4, Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Pretty obvious. It's like a branch by itself it just falls off and bears no fruit. It's kind of, kind of like this. If, if this branch is not connected to the source, it does nothing. It just falls off. And eventually it's going to dry up and it's going to wither and it's not going to bear any fruit. Because we can't do anything apart from the vine. There's no source, there's no life, there's no nutrients. There will be no fruit. So in verse 5 he says, I am the vine and you are the branches. This is a really good picture. Maybe today you're going, I'm struggling to know who I am. Like, I don't know my identity. Who am I? I don't know what my purpose is. And, and those are haunting questions, especially as a young person. I remember in my my early 20s, when I'm like, oh man, I have no idea who I am. And, and who I thought I was, like living in North Muskegon, Michigan, and then I moved away and, and nobody cared about who I was in North Muskegon. It didn't matter at all, you know? You ever been through that identity crisis in life where you're like, I have no idea who I am. I have no idea who my purpose is. I have no idea. Well, here's, here's a key. Jesus says this. He says, you are the branches. I am the vine. And you are the branches. Again, we could camp out and talk about this for a long time, but let me just give you a couple high-level things. You will find your purpose when you understand his purpose. Your purpose for being comes from his purpose. You know who you are when you know who he is. I am the vine. You are a branch. This is who you are. You're a branch. We are completely dependent on the vine. We serve no purpose and can do nothing apart from the vine, right? You cannot bear fruit unless you abide in the vine. We receive the life-giving power of the Holy Spirit through the vine. That's what he's talking about here. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. Now look, he says much fruit. You see the progression? Fruit to more fruit in the pruning to much fruit. That's God's desire, it doesn't always go perfectly clean that way, that's okay, but that over time, that's the growth of a disciple is that you go to more fruitfulness and then you get pruned and you get focused and, and, you, and you become even more fruitful. So where you, bec you become someone who's bearing much fruit. 
Apart from him, we can do nothing. That means that there's no spiritual fruit. There's nothing of eternal value. We have no access to God. We have no power of the Holy Spirit. We're completely dependent on God. And that brings us to our first big takeaway here. Abide because we're completely dependent. That's why we need to abide. It's kind of like a self-explanatory thing. Abide, again, means to remain, to remain permanently affixed, to stay connected, to just stay right there. You just live in Jesus in constant connection to him. And the vine is a great picture of it. Now, it's possible to be a church member and to come to church on a regular basis and to be in a community group and be serving, you might have, you might have all of your theology just dialed in perfect and, and you recognize false teaching, right? And, and you got it all figured out and to be completely disconnected from the vine itself. That's not abiding in Christ. Those things only help you abide in Christ. You might have incredible spiritual insight and have had some amazing experiences and revelations and and abilities, but that does not mean that you're abiding in Christ. Abiding in Christ is shown by the fruit of your life. It's shown by who you are and what shows up. It's easy for us to get off in, in the ditches of those things and think that abiding in Christ is, is my Bible knowledge and abiding in Christ is my church attendance. Abiding in Christ is, no, abiding in Christ is abiding in Christ. It's your relationship personally, directly, intimately with him in communion and fellowship. It's not about the experiences you've had. It's those, those, are, those moments are awesome, but that does not mean abiding. Those are momentary things. Abiding is permanent and ongoing. I'm not the source. I'm, I'm dependent on the source. It, it's, kind of, it's kind of like this. I mean, oftentimes we get, we get you know, people, I know, I know for me too, and I've had, I've had to learn this sometimes the hard way. You're, like, you're in a really hard place or you're feeling really dry. You're, you're restless. Maybe you're not liking the fruit that's going on in, say, your marriage or your family or with your children or, or your business or whatever it is. You're just you're dissatisfied and frustrated and restless and, and you come to church or you have a conversation with someone or you, you catch a little thing on Facebook or something that just feels like, oh man, that really, that was what I needed. That just felt like, like taking a, a, man, a cold drink of water on a really hot parch today, right? It felt really good. And oftentimes what happens if, if we're not abiding in Christ is we will accept temporary satisfaction by, through somebody else. We're kind of like living our connection to Christ, to Jesus, vicariously through somebody else or something else. We're not connected to the vine, but we're connected to things that are connected to the vine, right? And it feels like this, like you're this branch, you're not connected to the vine, and you get to sit in that water. You're like, oh man, that's so good. It's like going to Jeremy and Rhonda's small group and I'm like, man, I just felt so good. I felt loved and I felt God's word, right? And then that's Thursday night and kind of like the, the song we sang, but what about Friday and Saturday and Sunday? Friday, Saturday comes around Monday and eventually you're like, now that's me, right? Oh, I gotta get back. To, I, gotta, I just gotta get it back. I gotta get back. Oh, okay, Thursday night's here again. I feel good, right? Or maybe this is, this is another one that happens. We have somebody in our lives who is connected to the vine, who knows Jesus. And then we want to get ourselves connected to them. So Brett, are you in here? Can you come up here a second? Brett, love Brett. Brett's my friend. Can you guys clap for Brett just so he doesn't feel so awkward? <laughs> Brett, 
We love you. Brett's our newest staff member. He's been such a great addition to our staff. Brett oversees all of our soul care counseling. This happens a lot in this, doesn't it? We're like, people come for help, and if you spend time with Brett, let me just tell you, you're going to feel good after spending time with Brett, right? If you're like, this is refreshing to my soul. Thank you. You've been that to me. Thank you. But it if we're not abiding in Christ, what, what all it is is this like temporary connection to Brett, right? And I'm like, I need Brett to just like make me feel good. I need Brett to hear from God for me and I need Brett to, um, you know, encourage me and just reorient me back into like, okay, my mind. And, and we become dependent on Brett or the, the counselor, the soul care counselor. And Brett was never intended to be the vine. Let me tell you, nobody wins in this equation, right? Eventually, you're going to be down here and dry, and you're going to be like, I've just got to get back to Brett. <laughs> because when I'm with Brett, I feel like, okay, I feel, I'm feeling it again. I'm feeling that. You know what that does, though? That, that sucks the life out of you, and you're never meant to be that. You're not Jesus. Brett, and I don't have to tell Brett that, but Brett, you're not, and I'm not, Right? <laughs> It's, that's, that's the worst thing. All we can do is, as soul care counselors is go, hey, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to help you get connected to the vine. If, I want to help you abide in Christ. Because unless you're abiding in Christ, there's nothing we can do. You're going to be disappointed with me. I'm going to be disappointed with you. The goal is that you abide in Christ. So a great soul care counselor will only take you by the hand and teach you how to hear from God for yourself. Because when you abide in the vine, there is a constant flow, a constant flow of living water. Jesus is the Savior, not Brett, as good as Brett is, man. And you're good, dude. You are good, man. <laughs> Thank you, Brett. Can you guys give Brett another hand? <laughs> we, can't, we can't trade these momentary, temporary things. I feel so good when I'm around my people. And I go to church and I feel, I feel that goodness. I'm with my, my counselor. I feel like there's that person who knows and loves Jesus. And it's like, that's great, but that's very temporary. That should only take you to the place of being connected to the vine for yourself, right? Many people uh, come looking for hope, and the hope is found in Jesus alone. Found in Jesus alone. We abide because we are completely dependent on him. We don't have like some magic wand. We abide in loving relationship with God. So now back, go back to verse 6 here. Jesus transitions now to talking about a branch that's fruitless. From a branch that is connected, abiding in deep fellowship, and there's the life of the Spirit flowing through this branch, and there's good fruit showing up, and, and God's pruning it so that there's more fruit. And people are tasting it and they're like, man, that's so good. That's so good. Now he contrasts a fruitless branch in verse 6. He says, if anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. Now I've got to be truthful what Jesus is saying here. He is dealing with fruitless branches and fruitful branches. And he is talking about judgment. And it is a sober warning. But before we get too scared. Let's just understand God's not looking for a reason to cut us off. He's not looking for some like, oh, you messed up. You're out. You're cut off. Oh, you don't have any fruit right now. You're going through a rough time. You're done. You're out. That's not the character of God. It's not. You see over in, in Luke 13, maybe this afternoon, this would be a fun one to go read. Luke 13, 6 through 9, 
There's an owner of a vineyard, and he comes, Jesus is telling this parable. This owner of this vineyard comes to the gardener, the manager of the vineyard, and he goes, hey, that tree there, that tree isn't bearing any fruit at all. Cut it down, get rid of it, it's not bearing any fruit. And it makes sense that as, a, as a, uh, an owner of a vineyard, that's why you have the vineyard is to have trees that bear fruit. And he's like, it's not, it's not serving its purpose, just cut it down. And, and the gardener goes, hold on, let's do this before we cut it down. Let's give it one more year. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to dig around it. I'm going to give some special attention to it. I'm going to water it. And he says this. This is so great. You're going to love this. He goes, I'm going to spread manure around it. You know what that means, right? Man, it's in some of the stinkiest circumstances of life that God is doing the greatest things in you to produce fruitfulness. Have you seen that, church? You're like, man, I hate that. That, that situation just stunk. But it was exactly what I needed, what I needed. Now, the character of God is patient and loving and kind. But there does come a point, if you do not abide in Christ, that you will not bear fruit, and in time it will show that you were really, truly not a disciple of Christ. That's what he's talking about here. He's separating true branches from false branches. Verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, This is amazing. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. You're like, awesome. I get to ask Almighty God, like he's my genie in a bottle that I can ask whatever I wish and it will be done. Well, not exactly. (laughs) You might have been frustrated at times in your prayers because you're asking God for something and it seems like he's saying no. Anybody ever been there? You're like, God, please. If I win the lottery, I promise I'll tithe on it. I promise I will. Like, you know, someone's going to win the lottery. I think you can trust me. Wouldn't you want it to be in the hands of someone you can trust, God? I mean, think about the kingdom work that we could do together, God, if you just let me win the lottery. Like, joking aside, there's times that we're frustrated in prayer, and God's saying no. And it's not that he's saying no across the board. It's that he's saying yes to something greater, but your eyes are fixed on what you want right? What Jesus is saying here is if you abide in me and I'm abiding in you, my desires, my heart, my nature, my will, we will be in such perfect union abiding together that you're going to ask and it's going to be like, yeah, because you know because we're so unified. We're so unified in love relationship. That's what he's saying here. It doesn't mean that you can get whatever you want from God. It just means that over time, our desires align with his. If you abide in me, I abide in you. You'll ask whatever you wish, it will be done for you. We abide in him, he abides in us, and and our prayers come out of that love relationship, union. Now look at verse 8. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. You've heard this, you probably see it on the wall out there. We exist to glorify God. It's like, awesome. What is that, you know? To glorify God, by this, by this my Father is glorified, what's, what's, what's he saying? He's saying that when the goodness and the love and the character of God begins to show up in your life, that you literally become a physical manifestation of his invisible qualities. You make God, the, the fruit of your lives makes visible the goodness and the patience and the love and all the Galatians 5 fruits of the Spirit. You make that visible to the world around you. And let me tell you, can you put that Galatians 5 back up there? 
I said it before, Galatians 5, 22 and 23. The fruits of the Spirit being love, joy, peace. They'll be up there in a second. Those fruits that we see in Galatians 5 are so sweet and so good in a world that is so bitter and so bad. When we live this and the Holy Spirit does this in our lives, it glorifies God. People see and they're like, man, that's really, really good. And we're like, yeah, that's, that's who God is. That's who he is. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so prove to be my disciples. Now, careful here. Careful, Jesus is not saying, okay, prove it to me. Prove that you're my disciple. Show me all the good things you can do. Prove it to me. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is, the proof of your discipleship is the fruit. Fruit is the automatic produce of a disciple. It's impossible that a disciple doesn't bear fruit. It's the proof of the authenticity of your faith and your abiding love relationship with Jesus. That's what he's saying. Fruit proves authenticity. Jesus, in another place, said you'll know that a tree by its fruit. We studied it in the Sermon on the Mount. It's over in Matthew 7 or 8, somewhere in there. Apple trees bear apples. Cherry trees bear cherries. Grapevines bear grapes. And, and disciples of Jesus bear the fruit of the Spirit. And then in verse 9, this is, this is so interesting, where he goes now, he says, My Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. He turns towards love, which is the first of the fruits of the Spirit. Notice that. The relationship that the vine and the vine dresser have with the branches is a love relationship. Let me put it this way. The vine loves the branches. The vine dresser loves the vine and loves the branches. The Holy Spirit, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all together, they, they love you and want to have an abiding relationship with you. It's not transactional, it's not business, it's not rigid or stiff. It's, it's a loving, constant communion with the God who created you, knows you deeply, and loves you. Abide in my love, that's what we're commanded to do. And then in verse 10 he says, if you keep my commandments, you'll abide in my love, just as I've kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. And if, if we're not careful, we can read that apart from verse 9 and go, okay, so I have to... I have to keep his commandments and then I'll be in his love? No. What he's saying is if you abide in my love, the love and the, the relationship and the fellowship always precedes the obedience. You'll obey Jesus because you love him. And you will come to places, certainly in your life, where you're like, I know Jesus wants me to do this, but I really want to do this. <laughs> Anybody ever felt that battle? Your flesh wants to disobey God, wants to do it his own way. I want to be my own God. I don't want some Jesus being my Lord. And that's where Jesus is saying, hey, listen, just abide in my love. And there's this, there's this relationship between love and obedience. You cannot be obedient without love, and you cannot have a loving relationship without being obedient. You can't just say, I love Jesus, and then just go live however you want. That would be a false statement. That's what he's saying here. As the Father has loved me, I've loved you. Abide in my love. You keep my commandments. You abide in my love. So what do we do then when, when we've maybe blown it or messed up? Well, you're gonna. <laughs> Happens all the time. And abiding in, in Jesus is, is a constant work. 
It feels like everything in the world, the problems we face, the people we deal with, the circumstances, the challenges that we have, every, everything in this world, doesn't it feel like it is trying to pull you away from Christ? You feel that? It's trying to pull you away from the very source of life. And our job is to, is to simply just stay and abide. Now, now, when you blow it like we're going to, we just come back in humility and we say, God, I, I messed it up bad. I need your grace. I need your forgiveness. I need your mercy. And, we, and he's like, you got it. I'm going to come right back into fellowship and right back into abiding and connection and loving communion with Jesus through the Holy Spirit. These things, verse 11, these things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and your joy may be full. This is really mind-blowing that Jesus, knowing he's hours from crucifixion, hours from execution, torture, he's going, hey, you know what I really want for you is I want you to have joy and I want your joy to be full. We receive joy. That's the second fruit of the Spirit. See, abide in my love so that your joy may be full. That leads us to our, our second big takeaway here. Abide to satisfy your deepest needs. Abide to satisfy your deepest needs. There's something about being in relationship with Jesus that satisfies us in a way that the world never can. If you were to go out and, and survey and take a poll of a thousand people, pretty much everybody would tell you the same thing if you're like, hey, what do you really want in life? They'd tell you, I want to be loved. I want to belong and have loving, loving relationship. I want to have happiness is kind of how they would say, George, I want to be happy. I want to have joy. And I want to have purpose. I want to have a deep sense like, why am I here? And abiding in Christ is where the deepest needs of our human hearts are satisfied. Communion with Jesus is the only thing that will fully, finally satisfy you. You may get temporary relief. You may get something that, oh, it's, it's this, this relationship. This is the one that has, I now have found my love and my joy. And that doesn't last very long, does it? So then you go, well, I, gotta, I gotta try, an it's another relationship. And then that one doesn't last. And then after a while, you get really, really frustrated. We actually see this um, this, this depicted in a story over in John 4, a little earlier, John writes a lot about this relationship with Jesus and him being the living water and abiding in Christ. And in John 4, you see this story. I would encourage you to read it. I've been thinking about this story more lately where Jesus is on a journey with his disciples and he's heading back to Jerusalem and, and he goes off the way into Samaria, which first of all, as a Jew, you're like, you don't go to Samaria. So he's already way out of bounds. And he finds a woman at a well. This story's called The Woman at the Well, right? In John 4, you can read it, I think 1 through 42. It's a crazy story. Jesus begins talking to this woman, which is like, again, they're all like, what are you doing, Jesus? He's way out of bounds. He has this conversation, and, he, and it's been, been a really hot day. It's about high noon. They're, they're parched. It's the, the sun is high. They're dried out. And Jesus goes, hey, will you, will you give me a drink? She's at a well. He begins to have this interaction with this woman, and, and eventually he goes, actually, you know, uh, if you knew who was talking to you, you'd be asking me for a drink, and I'd be giving you a drink of living water and you'd never thirst again. And then she's like, say, say what? 
you know? They go back and forth, and Jesus goes, go into town and get your husband. Now, Jesus says, go get your husband, and he knows full well what the answer is. She goes, I don't have a husband. And Jesus says, that's right, you've had five. And the man you're living with now isn't your husband. You know what he's saying to her? He's going, girlfriend, you're looking for something in this world, in human relationships, that you're never going to find. It's not, that, it's not like the sixth time is the charm. Well, I just got the wrong guy every time. But this is the same for, for guys too. Man, we look to ladies and women to fulfill the needs in our heart for affirmation and respect. And then when our wives or women don't meet that for us, we, we just try to cycle through women. Women do the same thing, looking to be loved and nourished and cherished and valued and looking to a man to do that. And you'll be on that same cycle. And man, if you hear the voice of Jesus today, maybe you're watching us online and you're hearing this. Jesus is like, you're searching and you're not gonna find what your, what your soul is longing for in human relationships because a human is not the source. There's a true vine. His name is Jesus. You can only have right human relationships when you are in proper relationship with the king of relationships himself. Move away from like, no, I'm just going to keep looking. I'm going I'm to give it one more go. It, no, no, this is the role. This is the guy. This is the girl. No, it's not. It's not true. You'll, you'll end up kind of again just like this, feeling like, oh man, okay, I'm feeling pretty good now. And then in just a short period of time, and actually the time gets shorter and shorter and shorter the more relationships you have. Have you noticed how the quicker you get to this point where you're like, it, it's, it's just not doing it. It's not, it did for a minute and it's not anymore. It's because you're disconnected from the vine. You're disconnected from the true source of life, right? So Jesus is calling us out of love. He's saying, hey, I want to meet and satisfy the deepest thirst of, of your heart. The thing that the world at best can offer like temporary drinks of water. It's amazing in the story in John 4, it says that she left her water jug at the well and ran into town. So symbolic. I just met the living water. I don't need that anymore. So good, man. We could, we could talk about that for a long time. Whatever the circumstance is for you, it's belonging in Jesus. It's relationship with him. It's a love, abiding, permanent, immovable, connected fellowship, deep communion where you live, you inhabit, you permanently reside. It's been given to you. It's nothing you can do to earn it. You just receive it. The world and everything tries to pull you away from it and you just go, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm just gonna stay right here. I'm going to abide. And if I get disconnected, I'm going to quickly get myself right back into the vine because he's good. He'll forgive you. He's got lots of patience. Thank God he's got lots of patience. That's what Jesus is talking about, abiding in a, in a love relationship. And in these next few moments, we're going to have a, a chance to respond. And, and these are special moments that are kind of designed to be like, hey, this is how you do this. But it's so important, like we sang in that song, that this, this is going to be a Sunday morning worship moment where we're just going to simply come back to Christ and go, you're, you're all I want. You're all I need. You are the air that I breathe. I am completely dependent on you. I'm completely desperate for you. And as you open up your heart 
And maybe even as you begin to express yourself in worship, you will feel the Holy Spirit, the life of God, beginning to just flood back into your soul. For those of you who've done this, you know what this is like. And I want to challenge you today to maybe go a little further in worship than you ever have in just opening up and acknowledging your complete dependence on him, your desire to belong in Christ, to stop Stop with all of the the other stuff that's not satisfying your deepest needs and just go right to the source. Go right to the source. And in these moments of worship, this is not just simply a Sunday morning thing that we jump from, okay, I can't wait to get back to church because that's where I get filled up and that's where I get... I mean, that's awesome, but that's not abiding. That's temporarily sitting in the water. The call is to abide. Because without abiding, you don't stay connected to the vine. And then the fruit of your life becomes evidence of the relationship or lack thereof. So in these moments, let's let this just be a, a moment for sure, but also a, a practice and an exercise of what we can be doing all the time in your car, in, in the middle of even conversations, on your way to and from work, whatever, in the morning, in the evening. It's just an abiding. It's a permanent relationship. Let's, let's take some time and pray as we surrender our hearts. Lord, we come into these moments. I don't, I don't know, so many people coming from so many different places, so many different backgrounds. Maybe some for the first time, maybe coming into your presence and hearing your words, Jesus, and believing you for the first time and about to drink from the living water that their soul has been craving like that woman at the well. Maybe there's those who are here with us or online that have been longtime churchgoers and have realized that they've been connected to programs or attendance or maybe people, but not abiding in Christ. And the fruit is the evidence. I pray that if there needs to be a repentance and a sober humility, that that would happen in these moments. Whatever it is, Lord, you've called us to abide in loving relationship to. To abide because we're completely dependent. To abide to satisfy our deepest needs. And we pray in these moments that we would just do that and abide in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Go ahead and stand up to your feet if you would. And